0: Welcome back to the AutoWeek Podcast. This is episode four. That's four episodes. You guys probably thought we had one and a half, maybe two in us.
1: Well, it's actually five because we had no, a bonus.
0: that was only half though.
1: That, well, it was, it was an episode that was a separate recording and that was three and three was four and now this is five.
0: It seems really to digress. Yeah, good point. All right, so we're talking about um, some, some racing Some car culture, but first we want to talk about what's in this issue of AutoWeek that we shipped on Monday, is that right? Yeah, it's going to be the June 26th issue. I got a big uh, Porsche 911 GT3 on the cover, cover story by Jake Lingaman, who's just sitting here to my left. That's Uh, me. um, Robin, did you have anything in this one? No. Robin Warner did not contribute in any way to the production of this latest Uh, issue.
2: He's on the masthead page. Yeah, yeah, well, but, that is true. Yeah, that is yeah, but the copy, my name.
0: Yeah. Now is there the copy desk put that in there? He didn't do that.
2: You're right. Technically, yeah, no. Yeah, so. I did. nothing he wrote was actually in the magazine. No. But his I, name was in
0: there. I did check spelling. Yeah, it's, it's good. That's good. Um, but we've also got a really uh, wild mm-hmm. story. We're going to talk with Stephen Cole Smith about um, in a minute here uh, from Don Paynos. Um, but I guess right now we'll start talking. I think uh, we've got two stories by Brett Burke in this book. Uh, One of our favorite contributors, probably one of the best writers in the game today. um, Had him out in Hawaii driving a Honda Odyssey. uh, Which did you say we took him and put him on an Odyssey to drive the Odyssey? I would not. Uh, I would not say that. um, No, I would never say that. Uh, (laughs) One might say he was. I know why one would say. (laughs) So he, he was in Hawaii driving the, the van. Um, and then, uh, he also visited this shop, Churchill classics, uh, for a, uh, spaces, um, a f- spaces feature in car life. Uh, it came out really good. Um, really interesting kind of eclectic shop in upstate New York had some great photos, um, and a, a shorter story, but definitely, you know, one of those little kind of out of the way, um, uh Off the main drag shops that that does a lot of cool stuff, and uh the guys who run it seem pretty cool too, so worth checking that one out um and then the other thing I wanted to talk about real briefly or as briefly as Jake wants it to be, I guess uh jake, you drove that m x five cup car yeah,
2: yeah, 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 I would love to talk about that that was um that was you know, I wrote in my story like imagine a miata that handles like three times better and is you know, a th- two-thirds of the weight or something like that. So, I mean, obviously, it's great. Uh, it has full cage. You can get these for the Global MX-5 Cup that they're doing. Uh, one company manufactures them called Long Road Racing. We had a good story about them uh, on, in the magazine uh, a couple issues ago. On yeah,
0: their road car, right? Yeah they, yeah, they make
2: a road car called the Ultimate MX-5, which is a lot of those Global MX-5 Cup car parts on the uh, current drivable Mazda. I didn't get a chance to drive that one. They did have it at the uh, M1 concourse in Pontiac where we were at to drive it. But this Miata, man, this MX-5 cup car is like exactly what you would want in a race car if you want to learn how to drive a race car. I mean, it's not overpowerful. I think it's maybe the same 160 horsepower or something like that, same horsepower as the as the Miata, uh, street Miata, but with race tires, roll cage, um, you know, s- uh, coilovers, you know, all kinds of suspension work and stuff like that. But man this thing was was so fun to drive so grippy and we were there um, this was the week before the Detroit Grand Prix so they had a couple of Mazda had a couple of their uh, endurance drivers there and so they gave us hot laps first and it was like Tristan Nunez and three other guys I can't remember their names but they were having a ball in these things like we were you know I was riding right seat and they were pretty much racing I mean they were going full blast Within inches of each other, uh, a journalist friend was in the car next to us. He could have literally reached over and grabbed the steering wheel. Like, that's how, that's how close we were. I was, like, closing one eye because we were so close. Coming into the braking zone, and those guys just wait, 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 wait. As soon as they see that brake-like flicker, just jerk the wheel to the side and go around the guy on the inside. I mean, it was, it was insane. But so when we got in them, like I said, they weren't overpowerful. And with the race tires so grippy, so they weren't sliding around. You know, they weren't sliding around at all. The Miata Mazda MX-5 already has really good steering feel, but with the race tires, it just increased it two-fold, three-fold, or something like that. It makes me want to get race tires for my Mustang for sure. Um, I would suggest if anyone, and these are fifty-nine thousand dollars out the door, so you can, <coughs> you can do this for under sixty grand. Uh, running a whole season is not super expensive. I forgot exactly what it was, but I believe it was like under a hundred grand to run a full season of these things.
1: Which you know is all relative, but if you're talking about an OEM built, you know, factory race car for 60 grand and not 160 or 260 grand. In that in that context is a great great deal. Yeah, and your I mean, story about it came up on autoweek.com and I thought it was pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, it was uh I mean, race cars were always fun. I drove the uh Acura TLX race car a couple of years ago and that was 600-horsepower all-wheel drive and scary, and this was uh, none of those things. It was uh, small horsepower. It was easy to uh, easy to handle. I wish we could have got a few more laps. You know, they had a bunch of journalists there, and we only had a couple hours to do it, so maybe only got like 5, 10 laps. But, but boy, I would I – would, one of my dreams would be to just run one of those for a full season because, boy, that would be fun. I mean, even if you bang it up a little bit, I mean, if the whole car is 60 grand, what's a couple of body panels between friends?
0: Cool. Uh, so speaking of the Detroit GP, which, uh, just passed us by, I think it was a weekend before last or last year, like everything's kind of running together for yeah, me right now. Yeah, it was now. early When June. you hear this, it'll be two weeks ago. Yeah. It a, was
1: early June. Yeah. Okay. But the last podcast we had was recorded leading up to that. Right. And, uh, a lot happened with Auto Week and, so much uh, the Duel in Detroit. What, what happened? Well, uh, we spent the entire weekend doing Facebook Live interviews. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it was super amazing. Really? Yeah. Who did you talk to? Everyone. No, that's not true. But everyone listened in the world. Uh, I spoke with um, IMSA drivers, um, different categories there. I, I spoke with uh, Stadium, Catherine
0: Legg. Stadium Supertrucks.
1: Yep. I spoke with Catherine Legg, who's driving the GT3 NSX. I spoke with, and this is just the highlights, I'm, I spoke with... Uh, and she
2: won, she won the class, yeah, right? That's yeah, that's right, yeah. Her
1: and Andy Lolly, and I spoke with both of them. And uh, I spoke with uh, Jordan and Ricky Taylor, and I spoke with uh, Scott Dixon and uh, several others, including uh, no less than three Stadium Super Truck people. Um, but on the day before that, I was actually invited to this uh, media scrum, where uh, a bunch of indie car drivers just kind of showed up and you stood stood around, and just started talking to them, which I did, but it I also be, brought my
0: recorder. It would be, oh man, I was just gonna say it'd be incredible if some of those were recorded. Oh, and we could listen to them.
1: Wait, well, hold on, wait, did it... that never happened? So yeah, so I went around and I talked to them.
0: It's incre- It would be incredible if some of those were recorded and we could listen to them here on the podcast. Funny you mentioned that,
1: Rory. Yeah, I brought my recorder and I did record. Oh, them. All
0: right, let's. Let's hear some of these.
2: Uh, also, whoa! Real quick, we can also see all those videos at uh, Auto Week's Facebook page, right? The,
1: the Facebook Live, and but yep. what we're talking about two different things here. Facebook Live was uh, up there. We did stuff all weekend. We did a pit walk in addition to those yeah, drivers. Yeah, so check and all and that cool stuff, stuff out. Yeah. Auto Week's Facebook page. These, these are the interviews. These are these IndyCar interviews were not
3: Separate. Facebook Live. Yeah, no, yeah.
0: Facebook, uh, you can get on there. You can play some Farmville with your aunt. Uh, you can do a little candy crush you can read uh, find you know read a little bit about how your uncle maybe your dad or grandfather has um, become deranged by exposure to the internet uh, over the last couple of years and you can go to Autoweeks page and uh, post crude memes and read um, or, or watch some some really entertaining video
1: yeah and uh, if you want to play Candy Crush or Farmville or whatever that stuff's called, you can do that and listen to this the podcast same, at, the same time. at the exact same time. But and I will
0: tell you from what my aunt says, you you don't want to be distracted when you're playing Farmville. That's how mistakes are made. Uh, you could get your arm caught in a virtual thresher or... Uh, you could you eat your prime pig, your prize pig. I'm yeah, or that. you could you could spill pesticides into a stream. Uh, Wesley looks like he's got you, something really important. You could hit so. something in a combine. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, it's so farm. you don't really ideally. I'm not listen. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm not going to tell you when and when not to to listen to this podcast. But be careful on the farm. Um, farming is not a game. Uh, we depend on you to eat. And I don't want any arms or any other limbs in, in my food. So anyway, uh,
1: yes, don't do all those things, Farmville. But um, <coughs> if you're listening... Uh, Candy Crush
0: is fine. Yeah, <laughs> You can do whatever whatever you want with Candy Crush. Monsanto had nothing to do with this, It's totally safe. Uh, there's no way to injure yourself with Candy Crush. So. What were you
1: mentioning about digression earlier, Jake?
2: Yeah, we're now what fourteen minutes in, maybe, and um,
1: this
0: have start. we covered this anything? Is, we no, really covered no, we, anything. we, we covered niata, we covered right? a lot of stuff. But oh, yeah, yeah, all okay. right,
1: so the interviews, the, the interviews start. I, I first spoke with Marco Andretti, whom I actually raced against uh, many years ago, and beat handily, I, yeah, if o- I over and, and over, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in the two thousand three and two thousand four Skip Barber racing series of various types.
0: What does that mean of various types?
1: Well, it was Midwest in two thousand three. Oh, okay. Southern in two thousand three and four, and the national in- championship in two thousand four. You mean various regions and levels? Did he same type what, of car? Whatever. Did same type of car. Did you really beat him? I there. Were, there were times when I finished higher than him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What are you doing here?
0: I'm, too I'm big not for, too racing any car. car. Yeah. yeah. Same. So, I'm, I'm. I'm actually too big for a race car. I don't think there are any race cars that would allow me. Anyway, so marco andretti
1: so you've been in indycar is it oh six
0: well yeah yeah Yeah, so yeah
1: yeah, this year 11th 12th season 12th wow yeah that's something Mm -hmm. so when i when i knew you last you were 16
3: (laughs) and uh just getting started so now what's your life like now i'm still trying to win races man uh not much has changed uh you know i think had a really good rookie year for a rookie um set expectations pretty high and then uh went on a winless drought one and eleven another winless drought um you know i'm i'm pleased with the top tens the podiums the top fives all that but but the win column is not not uh pretty for me right now so um from that standpoint just really putting a lot of pressure on myself to succeed you were second last year
1: here Uh, uh i know in the Sunday race, I think. Is that right? I think it was, was two it? years ago. Was it two yeah, years ago, yeah. Saturday or Sunday? Saturday, yeah. Okay, two years ago. I apologize. So I know that this is a strong place for you. And I also know uh, last week you were super strong. At 500, you just got unlucky.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, like I, My car just did not have the speed that my teammates had. I mean, we, looking at the data after the race, I carried the most throttle on the team, of anybody. And we were the slowest on the team, so... Uh, you know, Did you I'd have more aero drag? Had similar downforce levels. Okay. So, um, you know, I, that was a frustrating one. I, the runs I was getting and the restarts I was timing, I just wasn't able to pass cars. So, um, just kind of got stuck, had the winglet problem, went all the way to the back. Like I said, didn't have the speed to really march forward. But then it was just turned into a survival type race and just ended up, you know, finishing. So, it was all right. But yeah, yeah. Wasn't one of my dominant. Indy 500 for
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, there were. I know that you've always been close. Obviously, the Andretta name comes with a lot of uh, weight on its shoulders when it comes to Indy, especially. So, that I'm sure adds a little bit of extra pressure.
3: A little bit, but I mean, I. You know, I want to win just because I want to win. You know what I mean? that It really doesn't matter my last name. So, I don't know. I, I definitely want to be the second the second win for us. In, I don't know, 75 tries or something for family. so <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there were a few years there where your dad and your granddad were racing together. Yeah, so exactly. That's two a year. Yeah. yeah so exactly. they add yeah. up fast, don't they?
3: There was a time where I had four family members. <laughs> oh, yeah, because uh, John, John and uh, Jeff.
1: Yeah. Oh, and Jeff, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, How's Because Jeff? Jeff was with you a lot during the Skip Barber days. That's right, yeah, he's
3: yeah. doing good. He's, uh, he's going to be here this weekend. I'm trying out this Maniflo uh, stuff on my visor that he's got going on. So, uh, you know, it's anti-fog and, and uh, should help with rain if it rains. So. What's, what's the team dynamic like?
1: Because you're the son of the donor, that adds, I imagine, an extra layer.
3: Um, We try to keep the business thing separate. I think we do a decent job of that. I think that's why it's worked for so long. Um, You know, it's mostly business anyway with with Dad, so, um, you know, it's all good. You know, he tries to definitely make sure that I'm treated, you know, without an unfair advantage. You know, he definitely likes to keep things as even as we can um, amongst the team. That's how I'd want to win a race anyway, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know.
0: So a uh, inter- couple, you know, a couple little notes I had from that interview. Um, you didn't mention earlier uh, that Marco was 16 when you were racing against him. How old were you?
1: I was 23 and 24. 24 when he was 16.
0: That's
2: so you were a third older than him. Yeah, a third more life experience.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, so I had I had a third more brain we, development a
0: third more brain its maturity
1: yeah sure i had all those things i i had a, a third better understanding of how race cars can hurt you which obviously slows you down
0: definitely
2: i 100% agree with that
0: um but you were you were in our children's race series is what you're trying to tell me <laughs> yes <Okay>. yes <laughs> because because i wanted to
1: race the best and as uh we saw with uh max verstappen being signed into formula 1 at the age of 16 Children are the best race car drivers out there. I
0: mean, they're kind of like models and gymnasts, where it's like you've, if you're, you know, if you're not where you're going to be by the time you're 20, you're, you got to find something else to do pretty much. Unless you're you. Right. And then you can just go beat up on little kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's basically, I was. I I wonder if there's like a kids' boxing league I can join (laughs) in town or like a, like a UFC thing where I I will say if there was like, that's less intimidating. If
1: there were points for height, I would have done much better. Yeah. Um, You know, I did, I did fine enough. I just, uh, you know, the big thing with racing is, you know, if you want to be a good basketball player, you need basketball and you need to be near a court. You know, if you want to be a good uh, football player, you need a football. You need to be near a field. You know, if you want to be a good race car driver, you need to be good at race car driving stuff and have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Yep. And that's a big part of it. And yes. I didn't have that See
2: time track time. I mean, you can't replace any of that stuff. And like you said, even and it's not free. No, it's not free. It's very expensive. Even with a football player, you don't need twenty-two people to practice football. Yeah, you do. You don't. Know, you don't actually need twenty. You can run. You can throw. You can catch. You can do all that stuff in any field. You know, you can't take an open-wheel race car around the block and practice racing.
0: You, I mean, you but, could. You could take it to a football field. You can't learn to dissect a cover-two defense just by throwing a. Yeah, you have ball to. You have to play a lot of Madden.
1: So uh, I did. I did. I did speak with um, uh, someone closer to my age, and actually a couple people older than me. Um, the next per- person I spoke with was Will Power from Australia. Oh, I love Will Power. If you guys would like to hear that, good dude. Maybe maybe we do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's talk to Will.
1: How's your season going so
0: far? It's
1: uh, it's actually
4: been it's gone pretty well, like yeah. speed wise and everything. Um, obviously. It's amazing that I'm still so in touch with the championship with so many uh, uh, kind of bad results, but um, um, yeah, yeah, we're still well in it, still,
5: still looking,
4: looking at the championship as if uh, we yeah. can definitely win it.
1: Well, you won it. Was it two years ago? Last year was Simon, two years ago you? Oh, three, fourteen. 14? Yeah, it's 14. 14, okay. And you always, it seems like every season you've been full-time. You've always been there. And you're kind of a, you're always in the hunt. Bad luck in the hunt. Bad luck. That seems to be your seems to be your track record. And what do you do? You try to like just look past that. Just look at every race fresh. Or how do you? I think uh,
4: I think everyone gets a share of bad luck. It just depends on where it comes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have to say I've had a lot of those during my career where. It's just been like the last race, and I'm leaving points and bad situations. So, yeah, good news is I'm always there. You know, you keep knocking on the door, it'll open at some point.
1: And that's what I've got to do. So, of course, that's what you got to do, and that, that's the right, that's cool attitude to have. Um, now, you grew up uh, an Aussie boy kind of in between Mark Webber and Daniel Ricardo and indeed your your past is road racing did you ever have formula 1 aspirations i did yeah that was
4: always a plan always um, I, I went to i went to england based in england and in europe uh, for 3 years and then at some point you you know you got to start getting paid you know it's got to cost a lot of money to yeah. So you've got to find a lot of sponsorship to do the GP2, and then there's no guarantees because it's so a lot of politics and being in the right place at the right time in Formula One. So,
1: uh, yeah. I had an offer to come over here and get paid, so I took it. Yeah. And what is it like uh, you're here in IndyCar, but with Penske? Pretty sweet deal, I would think. Yeah,
4: it is, uh, it is a great deal. I mean, you're um, given the best equipment week in, week out, great atmosphere to work with, very good teammates, so uh, you're given the best opportunity to, you know, for 500 wins and and, and championship wins and just race wins in general, so you can't ask for a better situation.
1: So, being Australian, what about, uh, did you have any time, did you want to be a V8 supercar driver or is there any particular race that you'd love to do?
4: Um, I did. I did do V8 supercars. I uh, did the endurance race in 2002 and I went back in, I think it's 2010 or something, but um, yeah, obviously a great series down there. It's V8s. Penske has a really competitive team now, so maybe Roger will put me in for Bathurst and the <laughs> endurance races at some point. Bathurst uh, really is nice. the
1: most globally known race. Is it? Is it in fact the best? The Bathurst
4: is a very, very cool track. Yeah. Very. It feels like it's built for a V8 supercar. The type of track it is. So uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun around there.
1: So are you a Holden man or a Ford man?
4: Well, I actually drove for. Uh, um, I did drive a Ford. I've never driven a Holden in a V8. Funnily enough, um, but. I have to say, I'm a Holden, because it's a Chevy. Yeah, makes perfect <laughs> sense. But, <laughs> Penske s down there.
1: But these <laughs> days, I mean, you know, uh, V8 Supercar, and I don't know what it is, super recently, but, you know, more recently, they were expanding to other makes beyond Holden and Ford. You know, so... What's that like? Have you paid any attention to that, or are you just focused on IndyCar?
4: They're uh, what was that? They're expanding to yeah.
1: The other makes were getting into V8 Supercar. Yes,
4: yes, Nissan and um, uh, Volvo. Yeah, that that was I think really good for sport. I think having Nissan in there, I think they're putting a big effort in, so it's good to see. I mean, any time you get manufacturers into a series, it just helps with uh, promotion and um, obviously brings money to the teams. It's just very good for a series to have uh, you know names like that in their series. So, yeah, um, that's what IndyCar's aiming for as well. They've got two manufacturers now, they're trying to get a third.
1: When you're not on the racetrack, what, what's your personal car? What do you drive during the day? I actually drive
4: a, a Chevy Suburban right now since I've had a kid. <laughs> I had a Tahoe last year. Okay, okay. So I don't really have uh, many um, fancy cars. How old's your son? I'm sorry, how old's your
1: child? Five months. Five yeah, months? Son, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a 10-month-old. that oh, changes your life. was he talking yet? No, well... He's not using words, but he, he just, talks all the time. Yeah, because he's <laughs> making...
4: Yeah, he's just similar. And uh, he's not walking or he'd be crawling.
1: He... Uh, what he does now, he kind of scooches. So he, like, gets yeah. in a crawl mode and then just kind of, like, scooches his butt a Oh, okay.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was just wondering when he start to crawl. See, he... My guy, he doesn't really roll over. He does a couple times he's rolled over, and his yeah. look on his face is like, "What just happened?" Right, That's <laughs> it's right. awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mine's big, man. He's like, he'd be close to twenty pounds now, in five
1: months. Wow. Yeah, more of a rugby yeah. player than a race car driver, perhaps. So. Yeah,
4: I think on my wife's side, that Dag was like six four, and her a brother's six a three. So I see. I I see. He's going to be a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Does uh, does he come to watch you race? He's he came when I won at the Indy Road Course. Yeah, he was at. He's been at a few races this year. Yeah, and he watches the TV. I'm not sure he knows what he's looking at. But <laughs> he seems interested.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it, it was around five months when it happened for me. I don't know if it was the first time, but. Uh, my son, his name's Harrison. So I was saying, hey, Harrison, hey, Harrison. And he actually turned and looked at me. Uh, so it was five months when I first realized he's, that he actually knew he, his own name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: I put him in front of the mirror a couple of times. I see him just looking, like, just looking. At I don't think he, I don't know when they can, under, I don't know what age that is. I think it's two or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really. But, uh, yeah, it's funny you're going through all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't know his name yet. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Like, we'll say Bo, he'll look around, but.
1: Yeah. 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 It's it For me, it's such a tiny little thing, but that was like oh, yeah. a really memorable moment. Yeah, like, yeah. He knows who he is. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. he, he was looking away and he turned back and yeah, looked. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. like a real clear sign. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah. And uh, the other thing I noticed is yeah. that for everything you notice, your wife's going to notice 10 things. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. They'll yeah. be like, oh, he does this now or he does that or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> yeah, 'cause you're at work all day. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So do you do you have a sorry, I'll jump back into racing. Yeah, do you have a do you have a race you look forward to the most?
4: No, actually I, they're all they're all enjoyable and have their own little challenges. And it's usually when you've wanted a track you've loved to have been there, so you know, I won here last year, and um, you yeah. know, I just noticed over the years, you kind of, when you start early in, your, early in your career, you have favorite tracks because you're good at them, and then eventually you get very good at everything, so you know
1: you can win everywhere, so yeah. I look forward to all of them. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And uh, because you're a Penske driver, and because this is actually a double feature race, is there any extra internal pressure you put on yourself to do well here?
4: No, I think Indy for Rogers is the most important race. This is also very important. But uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, if you just do your job properly, we'll be fine. You know, we'll have a show to win. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. great to talk to you. Thank, thank, thank you. you very Jeez. much, Will.
0: Thanks for So, uh, checking in with Will Power. Uh, he's a guy I've spent some time with. He's been by the office a few times. Uh, we did the, the charity preview at the auto show a couple of years ago. Super great guy. Uh Interesting to hear him talk kids. Uh, you know, it's... it's uh, Racing's funny. It's it's one of those things where, you know, you, you definitely don't think of these guys first as, like, family men uh, until, until it happens. And anyway, so cool to hear from Will. Glad to hear about his giant child. I also have a giant child. Um, and also a five-month-old, roughly five months old. Super enormous. I think Will said... 20 pounds which is just slightly larger than mine um but but yeah very very cool to catch up with him and and kind of get um get a picture where he's at now um with Penske and with with IndyCar
1: and uh you know fun update you know after this was just before the duel in Detroit the duel in Detroit happened but uh the Texas race also happened and uh, Will Power avoided all the calamity yeah. and won that race. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It looked really good. Um, but yeah, one one of the real good dudes in racing. Um, so great to catch up with him. Go
2: ahead. Uh, Will Power's in fifth right now, by the way, after that last win. But I do want to add that, going back to what you said earlier about the racing, the younger guys, I mean, they have no fear out there. I mean, when I was at this, the Bertle Roos thing, I was getting my ass kicked by these 21-year-olds and, like, they know less about life. They're they're less scared about dying. That's for sure. And then more
1: privileged usually,
2: possibly yeah. more privileged. But then you know you throw a kid into that mix, and that doubles, triples the the but things I, going through your mind. Oh, at any you're moment. you're
1: saying your own child? Yeah, because yeah, you don't, have a you have a young uh, I son. I have a young son, and uh, Rory
0: and Will Power have even younger
1: children.
2: And yeah. we've both got our ass kicked by younger racing drivers. <laughs> but
0: yes. I, I think the uh, I mean I get my ass kicked regardless. But I think the the, the thing that's, I don't know, the thing that's interesting to me is I, I don't think, like, a guy at Will Powers level, like, I don't think you can be, or like Dixon or any of those guys, um, you can't be where they are if you have the same awareness of mortality that we do. Like, I, I, I just don't think, I mean, I think they talk about it and I think, you know, you can have conversations with these guys about, like, their kids and their family and what the plan is and the difficult conversations that they're having, but ultimately, like, they get in the car and their brains work differently than our brains work.
2: Well, I think that happens slowly over years of racing too. You kind of maybe you start out real young so you don't have the worry, and then as you go on in years, the worry starts to come in. But also, you've done so many laps and maybe you know crashed well, a handful of times yourself. And I, I it, mean, I it's, think it's gotta even,
0: be an innate.
1: Yeah, it's not conscious. It's yeah. just subconsciously you're way more aware of mortality. You know, and we are w- I, I as you grow older. You you but. You know, it's funny you guys talk about this to uh, bring up those Facebook Live. You know, the, one of the Facebook Live interviews I did was with Scott Dixon after his uh, wreck at the Indianapolis 500. And he was limping around a tiny bit from his left foot being broken up. But we're saying his left foot is bruised, sprained maybe. And that's all that happened after that
0: crazy accident yeah, that right. he had. He very well he, he – you know, very easily could have died in
1: that crisis. Exactly. And we we discussed that in the last podcast. Well, I, I actually interviewed him and brought up that very topic. And it's so funny you mentioned, Rory, about that they're just not turned on that way. Because I said, hey, man, that accident was crazy. He's like, yeah, but it's okay. And I was like, no, man, that accident was crazy. He's like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. But, you know, it is okay. I'm like, well, what about your family? Like, somebody yeah. must agree with me that it's crazy. And he's basically, he said, look, you know, I believe that. When it's your time, it's your time. Live life until the to the fullest. Yeah, until and a then. lot
0: of people say shit like that, but then to actually go act on it, right? Like that's that's a totally different. Like I remember, and I always talk about this, like the Robert Kubica, the, after he had his arm torn off in a rally car, yeah. And then there's all this video of him still crashing, but also like just being absolutely fearless. And I I don't I don't think that's accessible to me, like that. There, you know, and I'm not a person who. You know, learns lessons about life. <laughs> I, I I continue. Roy's a lot of
2: dumb stuff, <laughs> and I
0: continue to do dumb stuff and hurt myself and do and harm myself in the same ways over and over and over again. But I I have to imagine that it, that trauma, like having my my arm cut off, uh, would change the way that I drive or change the way that I think of myself in a race car. And I I think again, like to have access to the speed that these guys have, to have access to um to the the detachment that allows you to to actually drive on the limit at 200 plus miles an hour, your brain is different. It's different than my brain. And I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I think in a lot of cases that's part of, you know, what we would wrap up and call like driving talent is oh, that, like total detachment from.
1: And by the way, Robert Kubica recently tested a Renault F1 car. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I'll never forget like that. The video of him and it's on YouTube, but coming, uh, coming into a like a mild right turn around the corner of a house in a rally. This is like after the arm thing and drives it, for all the world. It looks like he's going to hit the house. and He doesn't tap the brakes or doesn't even lift. It's just like and he, and it's like in his head. He knows you don't tap the brakes there. You don't lift there. But it's still like you're still looking at the side of a house. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just insane. So uh, my
1: next my next interview is uh, going to be a touch, touch lighter. We don't have to talk about this stuff. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Huge pleasure. Thank you very much. I, I watched you uh, in Formula One in your right. Bar Honda days, oh, okay. Super Guri, and you. I always thought you were you were by far the scariest driver to have behind you because you were a demon on the brakes. Thank you. I thought just. I, I was always impressed Thank you and I always admired your willingness to go for a pass when so many other drivers okay. were uh, just complaining about losing aero grip right, or whatever
6: right, and right. So uh, how was your Indy 500 how'd, how'd that go? Well that was an incredible feeling obviously the significant moment in my life and um, I, uh, I can be happier of course and then I can't thank you after the uh, Michael. And the entire Andrej George squad, because that was absolutely fault. It was emanating through
1: my television, just pure joy yeah, right. coming from that Thank helmet. Thank Appreciate it, it. It looked like an incredible achievement, and you held off, you know, Elio Castroneves yes. of all people to hold off. How did that feel? Those last two or three laps.
6: It felt. Um, it was. It was obviously intense last two laps. But at the same time, somewhere I was really enjoying, because Helio is the man to beat at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And of course, you know, he's a hard charger, the most competitive guy in the field, but he's such a fair player. And I never remember we had any single moment on track with, between Helio and I, so I respect him hugely. But he's such a hard charger, he overtook me the uh, outside of turn 3. That was a hell of a move. So I thought, okay, now's my turn. And having had a experience 2012 in Indy, um, it was uh, a lot of learning process from there. And um, nowadays, because the Aero configuration and package, there is a huge tow effect. So you almost don't want to lead. People say you don't want to lead until last lap. It's true. But at the same time, you don't want really hanging on to the second all the time and I just wanted to give it a go and uh, decided to, to overtook Kelly or five laps to go we can therefore very next lap or two laps time if you overtook me re overtook me that's fine I have still three laps to figure out but if I could hold him um, I have uh, I have a good feeling that uh, maybe we are going for a win so look at the situation, and then uh, Helio took two and a half laps to, to catch me up. And indeed, he got on the toe, he got attempt to turn one, which, by the way, I was confident I could hold my tight line to turn one. When I defended my position, I knew he needed another two laps to catch me up, which, by the way, is a check-out flap. So I was, my, I was calculating and my brain spinning at 19,000 RPM all the time. <laughs> and, uh, okay... This is great. So I thought that put us uh, put the hell on an eye, put the great show in the end, and the fans love it. And obviously I was just over the moon, you know, it feels so great. So your, uh,
1: your heart's in IndyCar, but your brain's still a 2.4 liter V8 from Formula One, Absolutely. it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, you're one of the few guys that has several seasons in both disciplines, you know, Similar to uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. And how would you compare uh, Formula One to IndyCar in terms of the technology and the prestige, but also the racing
6: itself? Right. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's not really fair to direct comparison, and also it's probably is, it's not much point. But I, I can tell, obviously, Formula 1 technology is far ahead, of course, you know, it's just they, they have a budget, they have a regulation to be able to do so. So power unit and all the dynamics is such a sophisticated uh, 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 car. So uh, you can't complain for that, you know, if you are side by side with Indica and a Formula 1 car, you can see instantly the difference a big time but whether that is needed or not um, the racing is about how exciting it is I think IndyCar is a very exciting race you know there is so many on-track action you can't really predict who's gonna win until last lap particularly for the oval even the street course you know this is a series you can really tuck into the gearbox and then uh, you know there is uh, so many overtake action so I have so much fun in the cockpit, you know, in Indica. Of course, driving from Rwanda is such a prestigious uh, feeling, but uh, you have to be on uh, only few top teams be able to win the races, where Indica you can almost beat anyone else, even if you have uh, one single car team, you know, I mean, the Grand Railroad show, the uh, tremendous speed in the last few seasons, and it was only a single car team, but of course, you know, Having great team, and Penske, Ganassi, and Rich Oldsport, of course, you know, the resource is, is significant. So that's why Indy 500 was absolutely team effort. And I'm so happy for the boys and 26 cars, and uh, it was a great experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was absolutely a thrill to watch. And the one consistency with you, which is extraordinarily rare, is you've been tied with Honda in both disciplines. Right, right. And is there is there uh, a similarity that you appreciate or are there dis- if is it a different enough discipline between IndyCar and Formula 1 that even Honda
6: you know I mean Honestly, without Honda, I wouldn't be standing here today, Because simply because I started racing when I was 20, very late, and I didn't have an environment, any connections or, or, or sponsorship when I started, you know, since, since when I was a boy. So, when I started 20, of course, I, got, I had a scholarship from the Honda, you know, Suzuka Racing School, so that's why... It was absolutely honor to be privileged to, 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 to be in a home of country. I'm proud, you know, I really had a great proud to, to carry a Honda logo, both Formula One and Indica. And you could argue, yes, in Indica, we had some few years of uh, a tough time, you know. But I think they come back, you know, HBD did what an incredible job in the last two seasons of Speedway, Honda come back so strong. And so you're
1: talking about Honda performance development. Yes, yes, yes.
6: So, you know, obviously competitor was very strong and like here, you know, it's very competitive, it's very strong. But that was, was a great for the sport and uh, I'm absolutely happy to, 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 to work with Honda and both Japan side and uh, America here in the United States.
1: Takuma Sato, Indy 500 champion. Is there any other title that you want to add to that?
6: <laughs> well, I achieved one of my super dream now. But uh, you know we are such a demanding people, right? So uh, we now want to carry this uh, 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 carry this momentum and let's race hard. Let's the season. And I want to challenge for the uh, for the obviously championship title. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, congratulations so very much. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk. No problem. Thank you very much.
0: So from willpower good dude to uh, Takuma Sada, who's just coming off uh, a victory at the Indy 500 at this point, when you talked to him, I remember was I think 2012 2013. He came to the office after having crashed out of the Indy 500, leading late. Um, and he, he actually came in and was a great sport about it, made a lot of jokes about it. It was obviously totally heartbroken. So uh, we were super pumped to see him win. Um, again, as you kind of got to in that interview, uh, he's he's a guy who's been a fan favorite in motorsport for a long time. Um, great to see him get this. Um, and uh, really cool, too. I to hear him talk a little bit about being a Honda driver uh from Formula One to IndyCar. I think he you know, he's one of the the two or three people in the world who may be more loyal to Honda than Graham Kozak. Uh <laughs> so well, really, really cool. And then I think um we can finish up talking these the series of interviews going to Tony Canaan Obviously an IndyCar guy again, uh, but a guy who's headed to Lama uh if you're hearing this Friday, tomorrow. he'll be there tomorrow. Uh, he's there, no. he's, he's yeah. definitely there now. Yeah.
1: And a real quick one thing that I really loved about uh, interviewing Takuma is, you know, he started racing bicycles when he was 12. He wasn't really racing cars until he was 20. Oh, and here he is. Yeah. Here he is, you know, about Formula One experience.
2: back from uh, the lead in uh, IndyCar.
1: He's that, but he's got Formula One experience, and he's got an Indy 500 win under his belt, yeah. and all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, it was it was great experience meeting him. He was very pleasant, very nice, and you know, very genuine. His reactions, you know, it, you could tell it was real. Uh, you know, where were we gonna
0: talk about the drivers that we hate?
1: Oh man, uh, I'm um, just joking.
0: Let's not yeah, do that. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to a guy that we really like, Tony Kanell.
1: Robin Warner with AutoWeek. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Um, you're ripped. They, they they made a point. They proved that at the Indy 500. Yeah, the commercial spot. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, you were like, I was like, no matter what, you're definitely the most jacked and tan guy.
5: Well, I'm Brazilian, so that, that the color helps. <laughs> you know?
1: um, so, I want to ask you a lot of things, uh, but... I'm super excited here about you going to Lamont. So
5: am I, man. Yeah. So am I. Uh, very uh, unexpected, obviously, uh, you know, under some odd circumstances, but glad that Sebastian is going to be okay, so uh, somebody had to feel his shoes, and it was nice to hear from him also that he was happy to hear that it was
1: me. Ah, uh-huh. so, so you got his blessing of sorts.
5: Well, not that we both had any saying on that, I think <laughs> Ford and Chip were the ones, but, you know, in my, in my mind that was his place it was his car and, and when I, I visited him a few times this month and uh, you know we talked about it um, i knew obviously a little bit ahead of you guys so, because we had to <laughs> you know to prepare a couple of things of course, but, of course. Uh, it was uh i was glad that uh he's like no man i'm, I'm in my mind if i had to pick someone i was going to pick you so really excited i mean i've never been there a little hectic you know I'm not I don't think I'm gonna have a lot of time to learn the track or to learn anything so it's, uh, it's just it is what it is but you know one of uh, one of my dreams one of uh, things that was in my bucket
1: list and uh, I'm glad that I get to do it uh, I have a friend of mine his bucket list was to one day buy a pickup truck <laughs> I think you have a better bucket list uh,
5: yeah for sure for sure um, and then I'm really fortunate that uh, I've been uh, Selected to actually fulfill them Ah, to have one doesn't mean you're gonna get it.
1: Well, and in a car that you know is a race winner
5: A hundred percent. It's not just you're not just going to participate You know, you're going to in a contention to win.
1: Yeah, yeah, and now this is your first Le Mans Have you done other endurance races? Yeah, I won the 24 hours of
5: Daytona, okay, uh, you know, with Ganassi with Ganassi, yeah and I've done, you know, they turned a few times, five, obviously five times, times now with, with Chip. And uh, uh Atlanta back in the days. I, was, I won the 12 hours of Sebring with Acra and Mike Andretti yeah. won, won their debut. So, uh, yeah, I have a a little bit of experience, I would okay. say.
1: <laughs> well, I would say that you're one of those guys that people look to that has experience in most everything. Um, and you've been in the sport for such a long time, yet you kind of have this, like, eternal youth (laughs) that's what
5: people keep saying I try man I try because people keep you know a lot of people keep trying to ask me when I'm going to retire and I'm nowhere near that point
1: (laughs) yeah you'll retire uh, when you have to exactly Right.
5: when when I want to when you want to yeah Yeah. Uh,
1: when you decide that you want to I think it was uh, Sterling Moss he said he'd retire from racing when the car scared him and I'm paraphrasing and he stopped racing at the age of 82.
5: Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm gonna go that far, but I think for me, it's not about being scared. For me, it will be I'll retire the day that I feel that I, I lost some of the speed.
1: Mm. You know, mm. I
5: want to race to win. I don't want to race to participate.
1: i totally Yeah, I get that. But... I think
5: uh, am I somebody? Am I gonna have to tell me? hey, Have you noticed? <laughs> because you know those things that you don't, you still think you've got it. Right, you know, right. you're old and you think you can drive and. Right. I live in Florida, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. So, so it's one of those things that maybe I, I keep asking my friends. Actually, I have one really good friend of mine right here that will probably phone me and say, I "Think you get a stop? Time to stop. Time to, yeah, you're getting like you're making mistakes that you didn't used to." What's your name? Neil. Neil came from. Neil yeah, used yeah. to race a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> Wheels were wooden. <laughs> Life was black and white back yeah. then. Neil yeah. is uh, one of my uh, racing uh, heroes and he helped me a lot in my early days back here. He yeah. was
1: doing some uh, train car stuff. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so cool. Are you with Canesley? No
6: no, no. no, no, no. You're, no, you're no, just no. more of a no, he's old, just, old friend. He landed I'm from I'll, Australia right here. I'm out on parole.
0: Well, you know that's twenty years. Sorry.
1: Yes, oh, uh, that's, that's what, what I was saying. Years. Well, I was gonna say I followed you for a long, long time. I saw you win your championship with Andretti. Thought that was fantastic. Um, how do you feel uh, with the team uh, being at Ganassi? I mean,
5: it's it's an awesome organization, right? I mean, we have every weekend. We have an opportunity to fight for the win. Obviously, times have changed the championship. It's extremely. Extremely competitive right now. You have 10-12 cars um, Every weekend in the contention to win, but I'm really glad that I'm in an organization like that. I mean to be honest, there's only Probably three or four teams that you want to be
1: associated with and then obviously Ganassi is one of them, so I'm proud to be part of it. What's it like, because what's unique about the Ganassi team? I mean there's several things about the Ganassi team that's super strong but you have this uh, kind of ambassador coach of sorts in Dario Franchitti mm-hmm. what's and I know based on things I've read you guys are old friends oh yeah, yeah. so what's that like to have someone like Franchitti there to help out I mean and- it's awesome right you're having a guy
5: that's still fresh from the drove discard type of cars and you can always go ask him a question which usually you don't have another driver to ask the question you yeah, know, yeah or apart from your teammates but He's there to solely to do that. So I, uh, it's very valuable. I think uh, he's the kind of a guy that when I come in and I know he understands, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable as well. Just because I know he might, if I have a question or two that I'm not 100% sure, he will help big time, and that's uh, you know, can't
1: buy that. Well, and I know his brother, Marino, has done a lot of endurance racing mm-hmm. as well, and I believe with Canassi. Yep. So yeah, He was our teammate, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the really the Franchitti team between the two of them, they have a pretty wide array, sure, don't sure. they? Sure,
5: Marino doesn't come around uh, very often uh, anymore.
1: He's in Europe full time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh,
5: we have a pretty good squad.
1: Yeah, oh, I would definitely say so. I, I had the opportunity to interview Scott Dixon probably three years ago now, and I was just so impressed at how likeable and nice he was right off the bat and uh made me made me think like yeah he'd be a great teammate <laughs> yeah he's, he's yeah.
5: actually scott's fast and uh, very given sharing information a lot with us which is it makes our team
1: better so the indy 500 obviously the biggest race in indy car really the biggest race in the world how did you feel about your result?
5: I mean, after you win it, it doesn't matter where you finish, right? But I think it was a good result at the end. Um, we had some damage in the car because of one of the crashes, we ran
1: over a couple of things, so I think we lost a little bit of... Uh, you mean like uh, debris from another... Yeah, 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 and then it broke okay. the
5: underwing, so we lost a few miles an hour there, so we weren't fast enough towards the end there to fight. Still a top-five finish, not bad, but to be honest, I was glad that everybody was okay. It was a, a headache. Race,
1: you know, with a lot of crashes. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So you had the, what proved to be the stronger of the two engines, yep. but also the more vulnerable of the two.
5: Yeah, but you know, that's that's the price of racing. You take all the risks you can, and uh, some of some of them gave up. Some of them didn't. And the ones that didn't win the race won the race and finished uh, third, fourth, and fifth. So that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, do you have a race that you're looking forward to? Um, in the IndyCar Series. Do you have a race that you're looking forward to the most that's coming up?
5: To be honest uh, I would say Sonoma would be uh, One of the races that I'm really looking for every year. It's a beautiful
1: place to, to be I love the racetrack and the
5: Road America as well
1: that track is one of my favorite tracks that's, I'm very happy to hear you say Road America. That's <laughs> definitely one of my favorites. It's a uh, it's a simple track and concept, but to really be fast oh, there, you yeah, have to learn yeah. the nuances. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and then in an Indy car, it suits that car so well.
5: Big time. And then you know, I kept begging, Indy car to go back there, and we finally did it. So yeah, and it was a success. So that was a no-brainer there.
1: It's just wonderful. Plus, um, I'm sure the guy in your physical condition eats a lot of bratwurst. <laughs> so here's a chance to finally catch True. up on your bratwurst. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> So I have to close on Le Mans, though. I mean, is there anything that you're worried about or that you're studying extra? Like, is there any particular part of well, that uh, race? Well, the
5: rules. The rules are so different. Uh, you know, you have like
1: yellow zones, which
5: here when it goes yellow, it's full course yellow. Yeah. So, trying to study them uh, as slowly as as much as I can, because if uh, you know, it's just uh,
1: it's complicated, but. Yeah, I will get it. We have a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, how much like how much uh, time are you going to spend focusing on Lamar and with the IndyCar schedule?
5: Only during the weeks the week that uh, I'm not racing. Right now this weekend is I got to focus on Detroit. Next week I can focus a little bit on Lamar.
3: The
5: following weekend Texas and then then we'll be in Lamar, so really uh, maybe part-time during the week. <laughs> hey, huge right. pleasure talking to you. Thank
1: you very Thank much. You.
0: So, Robin, it seems like he got in a lot of questions about Tony's appearance. It's good. Uh, did he learn anything about his workout routine or what he does for his skin? Um, you know, any anything how he fights wrinkles or he's got an oily T zone.
1: Every <laughs> is, every good reporter knows when to turn the microphone off. <laughs> so
0: that's good. That's good. It sounds like uh, he was sufficiently flattered. We're excited to see him. Uh, at, at Le Mans in, in the Ford I think that's going to be really cool. I love seeing uh you know obviously as you learned recently and I think everybody else in the room knew going into this uh Tony's got a great uh endurance endurance racing pedigree um and you know obviously the cars are good. We'll see what balance of performance ends up ends up with but um yeah it, it I, should
1: be I kind of knew that he had a lot of spread, but you I wanted shit. it. I wanted to make sure that
0: I'm just giving you a hard time. Well, uh, it, it was for the benefit of the reader, right? Exactly right. right. And
1: you know, and I didn't. I didn't know all of it at the same time, so, so it s- was good to know.
0: Speaking as Robin backpedals here, let's. Uh, I think we're <laughs> speaking of uh, Lama uh, happening this weekend. So I think this podcast is going to come out Friday. So happening tomorrow, uh, tomorrow and Sunday. Obviously, if you're in the greater uh midwest region come down to thomas mcgee's in detroit and have some beers with us and watch uh watch the racing um but that was promoted on our facebook page i do believe is that correct yep it was a facebook page thing um auto week facebook page on twitter and instagram too. that's where all the cool stuff happens or most of it yeah i don't know about that but uh anyway uh, so we're going to be having a watch party, but the big news that came out. So today IRL, this is Wednesday, so it's coming out tomorrow, but you're hearing this on Friday. So yesterday, uh, is Don Panos, our old buddy who's, who's been to the office, uh, probably like one of the most enthusiastic 82 year old men in the world. Um, world champion smoker, brilliant guy, um, True car guy um, has introduced a, frankly, an insane car uh, that he hopes to run at Le Mans next year, 2018. Uh, It's all electric. Uh, It has a thousand pound battery that like slot loads into the side of it like a cassette tape. Um, Or like a massive double A. Yeah, and um, he's like I said, they're hoping to actually bring this car to Lama next year, run it in Garage 56. Uh, you'll know he was associated with the uh, the Delta Wing program uh, with Ben Bowlby and Nissan, uh, I think, 2012. Um, but we have... Do you know what's
1: called the Innovative Garage or the Innovation Garage yeah, now? Because they- it's 60 cars, technically. Oh. So they lost the Garage 56. Yeah, yeah. which is a shame because yeah. Garage 56 sounds so sounds- cool. You have to be, like, in the know.
0: Yeah, Innovation Garage. Yeah. It sounds like we're... It, that sounds like... A place where I would be tortured to death watching uh, pitches from uh, Silicon Valley startups. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it no, almost, it it, it sounds, sounds
1: like the worst Monster Garage spin-off. It, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. sounds like, it sounds like something that you get tickets for for free, but that has a hundred and seventy five dollar value. Yeah, and you come to a conference for two hours, and all you have to do is it's pay a, five thousand dollars to get into this innovation garage. Oh, uh, it's a nightmare.
0: Um, but it's actually racing, so it's not. It's not Uber for racing, uh, which is Uber still, they're still doing their thing, still exist? Uh, yeah, there's there's some, uh, like some turmoil four, in six management. Six people who still work there?
2: Yeah, there's turmoil in management. We have a couple of stories up at AutoWeek.com about that uh, today. In
0: fact. You know, it's real heartbreaking, just as an aside, I know we're not digressing. Wait, when today,
1: wait, well, hold on, <clears throat> by the way, Rory Math, wouldn't that be two days ago?
2: See, this is the, pr- you shouldn't even have said that, we should be assuming that this is Friday, we're recording this on a Friday, it goes up on a Friday with no, no edits. No, this is live. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's live. It's Friday.
0: We're beaming directly into your car speakers. So, uh, yeah, check
2: out odwick.com for a lot of Uber news. Too bad for those guys. Um, well, wait, no, not
0: too bad for those guys. They're, You know, everybody gets what they deserve in life, and these guys are – actually, that's not true. You'd like to hope. People are, are mostly know, unfairly punished in life, but in this case, it's fair. But and,
1: you're in, in this case, what comes around goes around.
0: Or, goes or, what around goes down comes from whatever yeah, they're getting what they deserve, yeah. And it's great for us to watch. We're all uh, very thoroughly enjoying the fall of Uber for Uber. Um, anyway, Innovation Garage. Uh, we've got this incredible interview. Uh, you may know, I'm sure you do know if you're listening to this, Stephen Cole Smith, uh, one of the best, certainly one of the best sports car. Uh, or racing generally reporters in the business, Um, came across this Pano's story um, a little while back uh, through a a side comment that that Don Pano's made to another reporter. And he has been on top of it from the start. Uh, He's got a really great exclusive in the current issue of Auto Week that we actually had to... um, hold up a day so that we wouldn't be blowing the embargo on this thing, but we did hold it up because it's nuts. I mean, this is a, it's an all electric car. They're going to bring it into the pits every 55 minutes and swap out the battery. Um, going to be really cool. So I, I'm going to actually let the guy who knows uh, about this car uh, tell you about it. Uh, Stephen Cole Smith. We've got a, an interview that we will begin right now. All right, so with us on the line here, we have Stephen Cole-Smith, who has been bird-dogging this uh, Pino's story coming out of uh, Lama for how long now?
7: Well, it's been a long time, and it's uh, actually the bird-dogging started with uh, our friend Richard Truitt, who uh, uh, just had an incidental phone call with Dr. Donald Pino's uh, about another story. Uh and he Painos happened to mention they'd be talking about a big reveal at Lamont Richard passed it on and and uh I got a hold of it and having dealt with the Painoses and the Painos family since nineteen ninety seven, I was the natural guy. So we ended up with an exclusive for Auto Week, which I'm uh I'm pretty proud of.
0: Awesome. And so he's unveiling It uh, looks like a, a weed dispensary. Uh is that correct? It- it's
7: a it's a weird car that looks
0: sort of like a speed racer car. Oh, so it's a car. That, okay? Yeah. Green for yeah. you. The name is Green for You. So I was thinking,
6: either
0: yeah, lawn Green. care or.
7: Well, like I mentioned to the story. It's it's lawn care or uh, there's a, a company apparently registered that's going to sell medical pot. <laughs> so uh, there's a whole bunch of different directions we can go here. So, but <laughs> uh, but you know they very well could be in lawn care if this car doesn't work, (laughs) and I think odds are pretty high that it just might not. That's just how ambitious this thing is, Rory. No one has ever tried what they're going to try, which is essentially a car that runs the entire 24 hours of Le Mans on battery power, top speed, 180 miles an hour, lap time somewhere in the fours, and all electric, which, of course, you can't do on one battery, so the idea is that... They'll come into the pits every 50, 55 minutes, which is not un- unusual for a Lamar car, no matter who you are. The side of the body flips up. Uh, they slide out the battery and slide in a new battery, which, uh, as I mentioned in the story, sounds a lot like the guys from AAA just coming with a new diehard for you if you if your minivan breaks down.
0: But this is like a, uh, a, 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 you know, a, how big is this battery? Corey,
7: uh, Rory, it, it's... It's about a thousand
0: pounds. Yeah, so it's a little trickier than
7: <laughs> they haven't even entirely figured out how to do this yet. The uh best guess in the scenario and I, I felt like when I was talking to uh Brian the engineer, Brian Willis is an absolute genius. He is the guy and this is the first time this has ever been said or reported anywhere. Brian Willis worked for Multimatic, which, as you mm-hmm. know, are the guys that built the Ford GT sure. race car and building the street car. Brian was the lead engineer. Hmm. I mean, let that sink in. Yeah. Uh, not on just the street car and the road car, both of them. Yeah. Um, you know, he has two Lamar wins, but he technically has three, but there's a confidentiality clause he cannot confirm or deny that he's been the lead engineer, but I follow that program pretty strong, and uh, he is. So this is a guy who goes back, uh, one of his first jobs was the uh, track engineer for Paul Newman with uh, the old Newman uh, Fitzgerald uh, Sharp guys. Uh uh, Progresses way up through, and this is before your time and Robin's time, uh, the number 99 Toyota GTP car that All-American Racers, uh, Dan Gurney's guys, had in uh, just a long time ago that was absolutely one of the most brutal, technically advanced sports cars in the world, and it dominated. I mean, it had a, a, a run of success that was just almost unparalleled and the guy's moved on through he's he won B he won uh Le Mans 24 hours in 1999 the first year that that it so happened me and 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 Natalie uh from from Auto Week both showed up at the race uh and we didn't really know what we were doing we were there to see some kind of a Chevrolet announcement Chevrolet And Cadillac made their announcement and left, and left a suite (laughs) wide open right over the BMW pits. (laughs) So Natalie and I and about three other people just commandeered it. And they didn't know the difference, so they kept catering it for the next 23 hours, even though Chevrolet people and Cadillac people were gone. And Natalie will tell you, we could uh, we could lean over and throw chocolate-covered raisins into the cockpit of the winning BMW. That's how close we were. But uh, Brian Willis was on that program. Then he was on the Nissan program. He's been on the Toyota programs. Uh, the guy's a lot like me. He can't hold a job. <laughs> But he has worked for uh, Painos for quite a while, and this is his baby. And if it was pretty much anybody else but Brian Willis, I would say, yeah, good luck. This ain't going to happen, which is kind of what happened to the last couple of Garage 56 entries at Le Mans. Now, Garage 56, there's 55 cars racing at Le Mans, and there's probably 155 cars that would like to race there. But it's an invitation-only deal. But they try to hold open uh, what they call Garage 56, an extra entry for technologically advanced vehicles. That's something fairly recent. The last really successful Garage 56 entry they had was in 2012, which was Don Paynos' Delta Wing, Mm -hmm. uh, which was doing pretty good until this Japanese driver in one of the Toyotas just ran over it uh, very unapologetically. I think he was just tired of looking at it. Uh, (laughs) if you remember the, the the japanese driver of the delta wing at the time you you can't have a staff work on your car unless you bring it back to the pits but the driver can get out and try to work oh, on the car oh that's right yeah yeah, and the the crew can pass him tools through the fence. And this poor Japanese guy worked for like three hours trying to fix the nose yep. or rear or whatever it was of this Delta Wing and just couldn't get it. If you tow the car back to... Um, the garage, it's done. Mm-hmm. You know that's just the way it is. So who knows how well the, uh, the the Panos Delta Wing, which was backed by Nissan, Nissan paid a lot of the bills on it, mm-hmm. and advertised that they had the engine. Although I was the one that they were not happy <laughs> with breaking the story that the only Nissan part on the engine was a throttle body from a Juke. <laughs> So uh, the rest of it was basically a Chevrolet racing engine that huh. they had bought from another company. But uh, Nissan got a lot of publicity out of it. Then there was a resulting lawsuit after they hired the Delta Wings creator, Ben Bowlby. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, remember they had uh Garage 56 that was an absolute disaster. I think they made about two laps.
0: Oh, yeah, the, the um, front drive.
7: Yeah, the front drive thing that looked sort of like a burning arrow, which all everything except the flame, but apparently the battery got so hot they had to ice it down, so it very well could have been a burning arrow. <laughs> um but the lawsuit has been settled. Uh there is no way to find out uh what happened except I found out what happened. And uh not legally, but I can't say Pinos was smiling a lot broader <laughs> than the Nissan people were. Um uh, because there was kind of a loophole in in the results that that allowed me to to get a little peek into it. So um, Painos ended up uh, on the winning side of that, but he went on to do what he calls his holy grail, which is this car. I just got a copy of his autobiography, and he actually held the last two chapters until this car really got rolling, because as we said in our story, He says in so many words, this is his holy grail, an all-electric car that could compete at Le Mans that could be turned into a streetcar. Now, everything Pino's has ever built, um, Rory, he's had plans to turn into a a streetcar. And we've seen some really horrible renderings that look like they've done – been done by a fourth grade class <laughs> that was really not a particularly talented fourth grade class, for some of the renderings of uh, of, of proposed streetcars, mm-hmm. um, but uh, some of those were designed by his son Danny, who the less said about Danny and me, the better. We've had. <laughs> problems in the past. I'll tell you about over a beer one time. <laughs> but they actually went out and got Brian and another designer, Peter, I forgot his last name, but he's a very talented guy. And if you if you've seen the pictures, uh nobody else as you and I are talking have seen the pictures from this car except us at Auto Week. Um, if you've seen them, it's a pretty damn good-looking car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I included an actual picture of the foam model, and it looks like a real car, unlike some of the past uh, Delta Wings
1: sure. and
7: other Panos cars. Um, there's a reason why the driver and the passenger, if there is going to be a passenger, are seated in tandem fighter jet style on the left side of the car. It's because the right side is all battery. Right. And I asked Willis, does this mean that there's going to be maybe a weight bias to the right side? And he kind of said, oh, yeah, there's going to be a weight bias <laughs> to the right side. But the advantage at Le Mans is that 90% of the turns there, a, a weight advantage to, to, you know, a, a weight ex- excess to the right side kind of works for the car. Huh.
6: So they're not worried
7: about that. A track that has a lot more lefts and rights than Le Mans does, they may have a problem but they feel pretty good about it at Lamont. But I got to tell you, Rory, so much of this stuff is literally on the drawing board, including yeah. the battery. I have a feeling that we may not know a battery supplier until a couple of months before wow. uh, the car actually shows up. And they're angling for the uh, 2018 Garage 56. Uh-huh. Of course, it's too late for this year. But they're showing the car Thursday, 11 o'clock. Uh, two days before Le Mans really gets rolling uh, France time, um, they're showing the foam model of the car, which looks really, really good. It was made in California, and I think it's it's really a gorgeous piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have a year to get it ready, but there's a lot more than building the car. They've got to crash test it, Rory. Yep. And the ACO and FIA, the sanctioning bodies, don't really know how to crash test an electric car.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know,
7: a 1,000-pound battery, you know, right side, left side, front side, uh, they had to crash test the Delta wing, and... Lucky for them, they appropriated an Aston Martin tub from an Aston Martin car, an LMP car, that never made it past the drawing board. They made the buck, and Delta Wing adapted that to... The delta wing yeah. and that chassis had already been crash tested so they're able to speed up the process tremendously by just using an Aston Martin tub for the first delta wing they don't have that advantage this time they've got to build this thing from scratch an electric car a thousand pound battery probably 2,500 pounds total weight or 3,000 pounds they don't know how big the battery is going to be yeah. and crash test it to the ACO and the FIA satisfaction although the FIA and ACO probably don't really know what even to look for because, you know, crash testing a car with a 1,000-pound battery race car has never been done before. Right. And the whole thing about that, there's one thing I want to mention, too, that there's a weird little sidebar on this. Years ago, when I covered Open Wheel, the Champ Car Series for Auto Week, part of that was the Atlantic Series, as you remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, Danica Patrick came up through it, I think Jimmy Vassar, it was a very active Formula Car series. That now we've got Indy Lights, but the Atlantic series just kind of disappeared. Well, this entrepreneur, and we're going back at least ten years, more than that. I think, I think. this entrepreneur in uh, in Georgia, where Panoz is, he's in Braselton, but this guy's uh, a couple hundred miles away. Bought every uh, Atlantic car there was, put them in a warehouse. And I went up and talked to him, and the plan was he was going to turn the Atlantic Series into an electric series. Put an electric motor in the rear. The Pano says uh, four-wheel drive. They've got electric motors front and back. This guy was going to do an open-wheel Atlantic Series electric, and the side pods that you have on a Formula car were going to pull off, and they were going to contain a battery. And during a pit stop, you pull off side pod A, plug in side pod B. And you take off. Um, You know, those races were probably 45 or 50 minutes long. Uh, That's, you know, you probably only need one battery. The Painto's guys, I think, are probably going to need 10 or 12,000 pound batteries that are constantly being recharged or constantly being cooled down. Batteries love to be cold. Um, can you imagine the pit area yeah. with a dozen thousand pound batteries <laughs> yeah. and hey don 't trip over that right. that 's a you know eight billion watt battery in right. And, uh, you know, if you've been to Lamah, you know, there's, uh, you know, the pits are in a garage underneath. And uh, it's just, I mean, this whole thing is just fascinating. There's so many bridges to cross. And like I said, if it wasn't Painos' checkbook, and for those who don't know Don Painos, he comes up through the drug system, Mylon, M-I-L-A-N, which turned into M-Y-L-A-N, drug company.
0: Just to be clear, pharmaceuticals.
7: Yeah, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually, not have any well, the, There's drinking drugs and driving, I think, which is a pretty <laughs> ambitious name. I mean, it's a pretty catchy name for a book for an 82-year-old guy. And I really uh, – he's one of my favorite people. But he started out just owning a drugstore and started thinking uh, there's ways to do things differently. Uh, bottom line – this is the guy who headed the team that came up with a transdermal patch, you know, that delivers everything from nicotine to, um, you know, just pure medical delivery. Yeah. Uh, they had the patent on it, and the company he worked for did not see the future in it, so he started his own company. I think he moved to Ireland. Uh, the company became the first Irish company to be on the stock exchange. He made a lot of money. Um, And as I mentioned in the story, and I mentioned before, uh, Dr. Pano's chain smokes. And if he didn't get the irony, if he didn't allow you to make fun of the guy who invented the transdermal nicotine (laughs) patch, still chain smoking, he would be insufferable. But he does. And uh, he's, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. I remember when we were dealing with uh, Delta Wing and Nissan, I was at the Nissan offices in Nashville, and we went to pick him and uh, Scott Atherton of, the, uh, of IMSA mm-hmm. and a guy from Road Atlanta, a couple other guys from uh, sports car racing. Uh, at the airport, when they landed in Panos' private jet, and the main reason Pinos flies a private jet is so he can chain smoke on it. And I tell you, when they open the door, it looked like Cheech and Chong's <laughs> bedroom. And Atherton, all those guys just fly off the plane, and they're gasping for air. And, they, you know, they smell like they've been in the smoker's lounge of a, of a topless bar. It, it was... It was not a pretty sight, but but Peno's, you know, he's got this big smile on his face because, uh, you know, he kind of enjoys the discomfort of others in a a minor way. But he has a major checkbook. You know, like I said, he's 82. He's had health problems. He's healthy right now. But uh, like I said in the story, he may not have any more grails of any sort, holy or otherwise, left in him. So I got a feeling if this thing ends up costing one or two or ten million more than planned, he's just going to write a check. Yeah. And if you're writing a big check to a guy named Brian Willis, you're getting some serious work done. So this, to me, you know, I, I think in our lifetime the Delta Wing was probably the most innovative race car sure. around that actually worked, and that car would have won its last 24 hours of daytona i've been told this by a dozen drivers had it not crashed out and there been about a minute and a half of green flag racing before they finally threw the yellow flag which basically put it out of contention Mm -hmm. but i was told by a bunch of guys like ryan Dall, who's a a friend of mine drives for the extreme speed he said we had nothing for that delta wing car Uh, Now, what would have happened had it won? I don't know, because it's such a bizarre car. The whole premise behind it was, the whole premise behind it, uh, the same speed, half the weight, half the horsepower, half the tire change, half the fuel, Mm -hmm. and essentially half the price, because it was powered by a 300-horsepower four-cylinder engine. Well, who doesn't have a 300-horsepower four-cylinder engine? I mean, Hyundai, Geely, everybody has it. Uh, The biggest problem they had was... uh, bulky gear shift, uh, the transmission, they kept losing them because they were driving it, trying to save five pounds. Um, so they finally got that right, and the car started running really well. They had some decent drivers in it, and it could have easily won a race, especially on a longer track but it never did, but point made. I mean, the point was proven that a car with a tiny frontal area, tiny little tires and wheels. I remember when Bowlby was showing us the original car, you know, you look at the front suspension, and Bowlby was great. Everything was an open book to him. Um, you know, the front suspension really looked like it came off a uh, uh, Kawasaki Ninja, uh-huh. you know, little tiny shock absorbers, little tiny springs. You know, shocks were about the size of one of those little bitty Coke cans or little orange juice can. Um, it was kind of miniature. It could take a wallop, but, you know, one good crash and it was out, whereas a normal prototype car probably would have lasted a little bit longer. So Mm -hmm. that was the Achilles heel for the car, that and the transmission. But otherwise, it was a brilliant design. There's one for sale right now down here in Florida, the last one to race for $375,000, which is, uh, you know, if you've got a lot of money and you want to race a car, in a uh, historic series, yeah, that's probably pretty good. But, you know, how I, I was interested, and I never found out, even though I went down there to look at it, exactly how you price a car like that, 375000 right. I mean, right. if they had said $100,000 or, uh, you know, $3.5 I wouldn't have argued right. because there's only one, <laughs> one of
0: them.
7: one. dollars you know, I'll tell you, Rory, for our listeners today, I think I can get it for you for maybe three seventy. What I do really we
0: have to it. do to put you in a Delta Wing today?
7: Absolutely, <laughs> just driven by a little old lady, and actually it was Catherine Leg, you know, who's who's now driving. Uh, I think uh, one of the anchors, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, Catherine actually was one of the fastest drivers in the car, and you ask the people that get out of it, and they say, you know, it just feels like a car. You don't realize you're in right. something as bizarre as a delta wing. It just feels like a car. Which was kinda like, you know, talking to Neil Armstrong. What's it like walking on the moon? Although it was a very interesting experience, which is why I've always hated interviewing astronauts. But unfortunately Delta Wing nobody came back with revelations. They just said it just drove like a car.
6: Yeah.
0: So this this thing and we gotta wrap up here too, we're coming up on twenty five minutes. But we uh, okay. and there's obviously a lot more that could be said um, about this. We'll have to have you back on um cool. Prior to prior to running the car. But I think uh so this thing obviously a ton of hurdles to to jump over. I think you know the battery question is where do you get the battery is a huge one. Um you know you go you go into in your article the the battery change process. Um <clears throat> that's a very interesting question. Um yeah.
7: but well I, I mention I mentioned in the story the best idea they've had yet which is a rolling turntable that they roll up to the car, a couple of arms plucks the old battery out, puts it on half the turntable, they rotate the turntable, there's a fresh battery, those arms put the battery back in the car. Does that exist? No, it doesn't. Uh, just like so much else of this, because Brian says he, getting, he keeps getting from people uh, comments like, that is a fantastic idea, you invent it, we'll be glad to build it for you. <laughs>
0: That's very, very cool. Um, so this this is a, a, a great, this is one of our, you know, kind of flagship stories in Auto Weeks. So make sure you check it out in the book. Um, check it out uh, online slightly after that. I think uh, magazines will be in hand a little bit later than normal this, this issue, but um, you should be getting it very soon if you're a subscriber. And, again, it will be online once the embargo breaks. Um, so f- final thought, you think, what are the odds this car actually runs next year starts Uh, starts the race?
7: I think uh, if they get Garage 56, which is, I would say, probable, it's not absolutely for sure. It always could be 2019, but Pano's is a very, very impatient man. Um, He wants things done yesterday. So my guess is they will get Garage 56 uh, and they'll have to come up with something for exactly one year from now. I would say 85% that they'll come up with something that gets on the track, 50% that it makes it past the first hour. Wow.
0: Awesome. Uh, Where are you watching the race this year?
7: Uh, I'm watching it from home, Uh, fortunately. I've been enough, and I'm kind of glad that that uh, our buddy Mike Pryson is over there covering it this year. (laughs) Um, I'll be back here covering the uh, Daytona uh, NASCAR race and the Hall of Fame induction. So I've done enough traveling, so I'll be watching
0: it in front of the best seat in the house, which is my seat in front (laughs) of
7: my television.
0: Excellent. Uh, Well, always good to hear from you, and we will definitely have you you on as this race season progresses and definitely uh, before this thing hits the track next year anytime rory it's a pleasure great thanks a lot we'll talk to you soon thanks buddy yeah, bye. uh so obviously real great interview there with uh stephen cole smith check out the story for sure um but a guy i think we're gonna have to have him on more often he's he's just got grace royce at all um he's been everywhere talked to everybody and has i would say more than his fair share of stuff that we're not supposed to know so we'll Probably hope to get him a couple beers and see what we can get out of him. Um, before we go, I know this has been an extra long and extra long episode, but I did want to talk real quickly to the guys in the room. Uh, what are some interesting cars that you've driven since the last PCast? Jake?
2: Well, I think we got to start with Maybach. Or maybe finish no. with the two behemoths, the two literal behemoths in our fleet, which is the uh, 2017 Mercedes Maybach S550. Mm-hmm. And the 2017 BMW (coughs) M760, which is the closest you can get to an M7. It's the best car
0: BMW makes.
2: That's what Rory has said before. um, Most people in the office and I would venture in the world disagree. Um, The 2 Series, the 240 and the M2 are the best cars that BMW makes right now. Uh,
0: I'm going X3 on that bad boy. Well, the X3, X3 is, is, very good. is also yeah. a very good car. But, uh, That's maybe, the, that may be the most fully realized car that BMW makes. Yeah,
1: I, you, the, the X3 can't win full stop, though, I mean, amongst car enthusiasts. Right. I, I mean, amongst car consumers, the X3 makes a strong case for itself. But
2: I can say, we, we could say it's the best car they make. It's I not think, our favorite car. Yeah, I
0: think the what car. I say with the, the X3 is if you look at what the goal of the car is and then you look at how well it's executed, the X3, X3 is the best executed car they make. The M760 is hilarious, and it's so loud, and it's flat black, and it's got V12 badges everywhere. It's exactly, it makes V12 sounds. It's exactly what a car. Every car should be like that.
2: No, even it's not even flat black. It's flat brown bronze, which makes it even better. Yeah, it's it's brown. I thought it was black. It's brown. It's brown. It's bronze. It's crazy looking when it's clean. Maybe but it was dark outside. I but never really saw, it. saw it
3: clean.
1: This yeah. is the <laughs> thing. The
2: thing about that M760 is it's matte brown. I don't know if they're calling it frozen or matte or whatever they're calling it now. But I had to wash it. I wanted to wash it over the weekend because it was filthy. I didn't know what to do with it. You can't, can't put pol- uh, polish on it. You can't put oil on it. In the manual, it said don't put soap on it, but I did talk to our um, our car providers, and they said if you just soap it and hand wash it, it'll be fine. So I just sprayed it and wiped it with a, with a cloth and uh, with the, a microfiber
0: cloth. All the paint came off.
2: It made it definitely made it worse. So it maybe it, made made it, it was worse.
0: black, yeah. And
1: then uh, Jake washed it. And I it think was the
0: brown. car is awesome. I mean, uh, the little cars uh, are fine, but it's like, okay, why wouldn't you just buy a Camaro SS because you get a V eight? This car. Is a statement. It is. It like it's. It is definitely super wild and ostentatious. A six
2: point six liter V twelve, looks awesome. horsepower. Yeah. Five hundred ninety
0: torque. It's great.
2: Three point seven seconds to sixty. Yeah. It's and a car that weighs. It's got to weigh five
0: thousand pounds. Yeah, for sure. It, this car owns, and I will not hear anybody else. No. Talking. Yeah, yeah it's
1: just got stature. And but
0: yeah. but not, but not the stature is the Maybach. I mean, come on. If no, I'm, if yeah, I'm,
2: a, I'm going hunter green Maybach over bronze matte bmw but the the that that,
0: it's supposed to be like a that's a sporty you know the sure. Maybach is the ultimate luxury car. sure,
2: luxury luxury right and but about the same price in the 170 ish
0: range for both of them which is eminently fair
1: yeah yeah the i remember looking at it because i was uh, telling my wife how much did the m7 177 yeah totally change. fair yeah. So
2: that's, totally that, fair. that's a lot of money. Uh,
1: 177000 I should oh, clarify. Oh, I, I, yeah. I will
2: say, as far as um, rich guy stuff goes, the massagers on the BMW are better than the massagers on the Maybach.
0: See? Wow. Yeah, and the Maybach... But hot the take. Maybach, hot take right there. Oddly enough, that is, the Maybach news. does not have news you can use. rear massagers. Huh? The Maybach only has front massagers. Whoa. Are you sure? I'm not entirely sure, but I, I my not, cursory examination revealed... Only front seat massagers. I
2: spent a good time back there. I was trying to get the baby to sleep. I was trying to get the baby to sleep. I thought that was gone uh, somewhere else. the damn thing was too quiet and too smooth for him to fall asleep to the engine noises. So we uh, we hung out back there. I kicked up the, the, the foot rest and just had him play around in the seat next to me. I did not the massagers back there, but I also wasn't looking. You I gotta assume, right? It's, it's think, a Maybach. I don't think they have. I don't know.
0: But awesome the, car, though. Well, I'd, Both both awesome cars.
1: I, I'm I'm getting concerned about uh, your kids' expectations for cars in yeah, the future. No, we're <laughs> all
2: I mean, he had space to, like, crawl around and play my in wife, the backseat of the Maybach.
0: My wife was like, we should, you know, we should get a car. And it was like, no, honey, like, no, you can't. No one gets a car like this. She's like, but she's like, no, just with a big bag seat like this. And it's like, they don't no one makes the yeah, they don't really extended exist. wheelbase yeah. wheelbase limousine like nobody does that <laughs> yeah uh, which which is a real tragedy I mean I did, think,
2: you, uh, did you mention Toyota Crown maybe get a Toyota Crown well,
0: like I, really realistically though like every American car company used to make a car that had at least those proportions or like that seating configuration close yeah uh, and the fact that you can't buy one of those for under you know you can't buy it's like okay I want an extended wheelbase sedan and it starts at Audi. No, I got uh, I got your nope. I got your solution. No, nope, oh, you guys. Yeah. Are, no, 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 oh, yeah. that's no, no,
1: no, 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 Honda Odyssey. Pull out the middle seats. Yeah, and that's okay. more legroom than anyone's ever. Heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. No, all right. I, but I, it's I mean, not a big it's not a sedan. I, I it's not rear-wheel really drive. It's a yeah, I think awesome. uh, <laughs> I think this is kind of sort of an AutoWeek podcast. First of which, there's not that many podcasts, but all three of us kind of have one in the same most interesting car slash car debate.
0: I don't know. I so I I did want to talk a little bit about that LC five hundred. Yeah, yeah, let's drove. do it. Yeah, yeah. That thing uh, it looks awesome. It
2: looks fantastic. I'm, I I drove it for like two minutes and it confused me a little bit. But you drove it last night, right?
0: Yeah, chassis is great. Um, engine sound is engine great. sounds fantastic. It's a little bit wild to me that um, you know four hundred and seventy five horsepower. I think to me feels like a little light.
2: <laughs> no, just... no, to see, that's what, I thought the same thing, for a five liter, I mean, for a five liter V8, that's about the right amount of horsepower, but when I was stomping at it, I was like, God, does 475, is 475 horsepower not fast enough anymore? Is that insane? Are we, in, are we, am I stupid for saying that? I think,
0: I think we are stupid. I think our brains are broken. I
2: mean, are people gonna listen to this and be like, those fucking assholes?
0: I, I, I mean, I, I would assume that's what they listen, that's what they say most of the time when right. they listen okay. to us.
2: Okay, so it won't change anything. But no,
0: but this, I think our brains are broken. Um, and I think like the, it, it's not just this, the 600 horsepower, 700 horsepower stuff, it's the immediacy that we expect, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 drove my 425-horsepower Mustang last night after I drove the LC during the day, and I was like, God, my Mustang feels a little bit faster than that
0: than it, that LC. And It's though, definitely not, but it...
2: See, I See, I don't know if it's the immediacy or the quick ramp or whatever it was, but yeah, 475-horsepower, I was, I, and I matted it from a stop and did not get the tires to spin. And 475-horsepower should get the tires to spin. Yeah,
1: that I is mean, an 8-speed automatic, yeah?
0: And is it 8-speed te- or 10-speed? Uh, it's a lot speed automatic. Let me, let me, yeah, there's kind of
1: several many speeds automatic.
0: It's more than, more than a power glide, more than a power glide. You only really need to, <laughs> yes. uh, but I think that it does. I mean, for a big GT car, it looks awesome. Sounds awesome. Uh, obviously very comfortable. Chassis is yeah, very ten, good. 10 speed automatic. 10 speed. Yeah. Wow. Chassis okay. is good. I mean, I, I, I felt like that was, you know, I drove uh, with the RCF. I think they mm-hmm. do. Um, and was thinking, like, oh man, this car could use a little bit more power, but the chassis is really, really good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same deal on this one. I didn't get to screw around with, like, you know, the transmission uh, modes or, or the different shit. I think maybe a little bit more aggressive shift would it kind of make that car feel a little bit more awake or a little bit more alive. Yeah. But, um, man, it is super dramatic looking and.
2: Super dramatic looking. Uh, one of the, the best Lexus, prob- best looking Lexus oh. right now. Oh. Yeah, it. Yes. Yes, no. okay, yeah, far. without yeah, question. Good, I agree with you on the chassis. It's a good mix of, you know, you don't want it to be super harsh. It's a Lexus, but right. it's stiff enough where you're like, okay, this feels sporty. You can take some turns with it. Um, there is a little bit of wheel feedback, which almost nothing has these days, yeah. which is nice. Um, Overall,
0: super impressed. I think, you know, and one thing that I kept thinking about the 475 horsepower thing is like, okay, this is the the base car. There are going to be additional versions of this coming down the pike over the next couple wow. Of years. Wow,
2: LCF. I
0: mean, that's going to be if they eight hundred horsepower. Wow, well, I don't know. What's gonna be
2: that. It's not going to be LFA territory, but if they tweak it up to yeah. 550, five fifty six hundred. Whoa, I mean, Jake,
1: hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The <coughs> LFA only made five hundred and fifty. Really? There's a good chance it'd be better than LFA okay. in terms oh. of horsepower territory. It ain't
2: going to feel like no LFA or sound like the LFA either. But oh man. Oh, there we go. Oh, we're just talking about this right here. Yeah. So. If they add a couple horsepower to it, and with that, the, the changeable dash, when you change through the driving modes, the dash changes, the gauges change, which I love, which the LFA did, and so I hope that, uh, like I said, they do an LCF version, which you gotta assume they will, it will be a, a, a kick-ass foreign
0: supercar. Foreign. Only in Detroit do people <laughs> describe cars as foreign. Detroit. I love that. Uh, it's not domestic, it's yeah. not domestic. All right, so anything else that really stood out for us? Um, I've been doing the whole uh, late night thing, so I don't really have a lot of like memories of driving the cars home.
2: Oh, uh, how about, uh, quickly, let's talk about the Infiniti Q60. Uh, uh, the Red Sport is the good one. Didn't drive it. But the Infiniti Q60 is the old G35. Now it's called the Q60.
1: G35, then G37. <laughs> now think,
0: Q60. Now Q60. I think it's one of the best. Thank God they fixed the names of that car. I mean, obviously changed the whole Fortune of Company. Yeah. I mean, those new names. Yeah, that just says it all. It Yeah. I, remember,
2: I think... Everyone, everyone does it at some point. I think has to go through a big old name change. Cadillac did it. Uh, Mercedes did it. With Genesis Genesis with is doing it. Right. Genesis is starting yeah, there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ford, Chevy seem to have been pretty much uh, Dodge the same. The, yeah. d- the domestics, the domestics. As we call them,
2: um, one of the best-looking cars on the road. Infinity has a real has this new electronic power steering thing that. It's good. No, it's the worst. Oh. There's literally no feel from the road at all. Like I, I take this. This bump on the way to work every day—it's around a nice corner and get a good 40, 50 miles per hour. If you close your eyes and you know cover your ears, you wouldn't even know you went over the bump,
0: which you should not do. You okay. probably should not do that no, while you're driving. Don't but, do that, uh, no.
2: But an enthusiast type car—you know—that's what you get out of those. Even you know the Mazda who does it really well. Mazda has electric power steering; they do it really well. The Miata, obviously, yeah. even their ro- the rest of their uh, sedan cars, but they've been focusing on it since the beginning of electric.
0: But power I would steering. say too, though. I would guarantee you if you were to put the average consumer of a CX-5 or whatever equivalent Infinity Crossover in both of those cars and ask them which steering they preferred, you're, you would not get a clear uh, preference for either one. If you don't, you, know, you put 100 people in there and surveyed each of them, the people who complain about steering feedback, complain about um, you know, th- those types of tiny nuances – don't know how to judge them. I mean, they, they don't, they and they, they really don't know the difference. I mean, they I, I, don't care
1: no. either. Right. right. It's like you, well, see, I disagree with that. <clears throat> I, I I think that they don't have the nuance to say this is the part <coughs> of the car I don't like, but customers will say, oh, this one feels better than that one. And they just kind of go down that road of but like, which all, car feels better. So they do choose, but those, and all those, those little things stack people, up.
0: Those types of people ultimately don't make choices about cars that they're buying based on rational criteria like that. <clears throat> it's, okay, what's the better lease deal? Uh, how does it look? Which one's cuter? Which one's, which one's nicer? Which one? Which one has more Bluetooth stuff? My neighbor told me to get this. It's not, you know, I, I think you can drive yourself crazy ta- You know, chasing these consumers around who really don't have any valid opinions about cars or don't have any... Uh, anything that they're considering, you know, but they buy them all. That's the problem. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I would, you know, I think automakers and and us are, would be wise to um, to direct opinion uh, with your product uh, and how you talk about it, as opposed to relying on people who who demonstrably know nothing to uh, to help inform the design of their cars. Um, but well, that said, we are way over on time, so we're going to have to hold this conversation for another episode. Thanks for joining us at the Auto Week podcast here. Again, if you're in uh, really anywhere east of the Mississippi uh, this weekend, I would say come by Thomas McGee's.
2: North of the Mason Dixon.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thomas McGee's over in Eastern Market in Detroit. We're going to be watching Le Mans from start to finish. All AutoWeek employees are required to be there for the Start fall finish tw- all the way through the night 24 hours um sorry if you had plans um but otherwise enjoy the race and we will be back uh, after we ship the next magazine oh about 2 weeks from now i'll see you then